You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. All right, and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I'm co host Blake Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. And uh, Kent is out this week. We are joined instead by a fellow Revenge of the Birds writer. Got Andy Kwong on here. Andy, if you want to go ahead and uh, pop in, whether it's your Twitter handle or other some of the work that you've done, um, you can go ahead and this is kind of your moment to be able to shine. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, thank you for uh, having me. Uh, obviously, my name is Andy. I write on Revenge of the Birds. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, aquong31. And yeah, it's just been a Cardinals fan for the very for the very longest time, and I'm excited for the 2020 season. And yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. So I'm ready to get this mock draft underway, and uh, I'm excited for the NFL draft just as everyone else is. So. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I got Andy on tonight. We're going to be looking over at a mock draft with the Cardinals. There's obviously a little bit of news that comes out. It's really up until about a week or so before the draft that things and boards get finalized. Uh, last year we did have, I know, the Pro Football Network. Um, we had them on at least for, I believe it was, oh gosh, these names always escape me for the most part. Um, but we had a guy on who talked about how the Zaven Collins was going to be one of the players that we were going to look at for the Arizona Cardinals. I think it was a spot where the Cardinals had guys that they liked. Um, uh, there was definitely a lot of players at least that, um, went ahead of the Cardinals. I think they would have preferred, um, the problem, at least, of course, with Arizona in this draft is you're not picking at 16. You are picking also there at uh, 23. So there's going to be a lot less talent to fall off the board, but there still is quite a bit of talent here that's there. Um, just checked, it was Tony Pauline who talked about that. So we're still a little bit out, Andy. Uh, what are some of your feelings right now? Just before I kind of kick this draft off, we've got the pro football uh, mock draft machine that they have. Um, we talked how we kind of like theirs that they use back and forth. We'll be looking right now at a probably about a seven-round mock draft. Really, there's not going to be as much that you'll have, I think, for the Cardinals after round pick number three, maybe even pick number four, should they choose to trade back. Andy, what are some of the things that you're feeling right now since most Cardinals fans, I feel like, are locked into either team-wide receiver, team edge yeah. rusher, or just team, hey, whoever the best player is. It's really interesting to see where the team is coming off of a playoff run that was successful, but wasn't ultimately up to what fans, I think, had hoped for after that 7-0 start. Right, so um, I guess what's difficult about, uh, well, just looking at the Arizona Cardinals is the fact that they have so many needs on their roster, whether it's just from a starter standpoint or just depth overall. I mean, losing a player like Chandler Jones is is pretty massive for you know a team that was kind of lacking pass for us last, last season. So um, there are lots of directions that the Cardinals can go in, especially within the, with the first two picks. Uh, they could go edge rusher and wide receiver, which is what many fans would want, including myself. But the Cardinals could also go defensive line and try to you know beef up that uh, beef up the trenches. So um, so yeah, the Cardinals the Cardinals can go in many directions, and I'm. Very uh, anxious and excited to see um, what Steve Kime and the Cardinals plan to do with their first pick. So, um, so, so we'll see what happens. 
Absolutely. All right, we're going to go ahead and enter the draft. Uh, for the most part, we've got this kind of up on the screen as recording. Go ahead and start. Obviously, there's going to be quite a bit of talent that's going to come off the board. I'm going to pause at least just at about pick 10 to take a look through. You've got Aiden Hutchinson at number one. They've got Kyle Hamilton going at number two. This is probably something I think I would sell on since he's run a bit slower. Derek Stingley Jr. at three has gone up the uh, he's gone up the draft board. The Texans have every single need in the book. They're going to roll at um, wide receiver. They're going to roll at um, probably I would say their quarterback as well. You got with pick four Ahmad Gardner. This has been a popular one in many mocks. I've seen some Jets fans who say that this is going to happen right away at pick four. He's the safest prospect. I've seen other Jets fans who say they're not taking a corner at pick four. It's going to be a pass rusher or an offensive lineman. You got Ikem Aquano going top five, pick six. You've got this is an interesting spot. This is where Evan Neal has come off the board, the tackle out of Alabama. This is a player where a lot of people have seen Kenny Pickett to the Panthers as being a possible. Um, pick instead. We've also not seen any quarterbacks been taken off the board yet. Do you think, Andy, that the Panthers need to take a quarterback this year? Because if they don't, then I'm wondering, hey, Kayvon Thibodeau's going at seven, Trayvon Walker at eight, George Karloftis going at pick nine. This would be a spot that if the Cardinals did want to give up quite a bit and jump into the top ten for an edge rusher, pick six and pick seven and pick eight were probably the places you'd have to go, you would think. Right. Um, I think... I mean, when you're looking at the Panthers, I'm, I mean, unless they're very confident in Sam Darnold as their quarterback, I mean, I feel like they don't really have much of an option but to select a quarterback, um, assuming that, you know, Malik Willis or maybe a Kenneth Pickett is there and, you know, and they are clearly available. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I think I think they should they should have went quarterback, but you know what? They took Evan Neal in this draft. I mean, it, it's a really, really solid pick, and so they're – no complaints there so yeah I feel like if I was the Panthers I would be looking to trade back from pick six there's still some other linemen on the board you could see a couple of other teams might want to trade up to get one of those edge rushers or maybe be you know get your pick of the wide receivers then you could see about trading back if you can get another first round pick for next year and then trade and get a quarterback that year that may be a smarter option than perhaps that would be what the Panthers could do uh, it seems like right now they've just gone ahead for that so pick 10 and we got the Jets that are on the board one of the areas I think at least that I've looked at for draft capital, and this is with the trade chart, you know, there's a certain level of value picks have. So a lot of people said, hey, could the Cardinals trade up for a pass rusher? There was talk we had last year about if Arizona would try to trade up for Kyle Pitts. Uh, the cost of doing that to get from pick 23 all the way up to pick 10, you're looking at with the trade value chart, they kind of assign values. It's harder to get up the higher that you go. So what you're looking at here, at least, would be about, you know, this is, you got about 369 minus about uh, 245. So this is just a little bit of math here. In order for the Cardinals to be able to get up that high, you're probably having to give up your 2023 first round pick, and you'd have to give up your round three pick this year to be able to get up to that level. So that's one of the cases, Andy, I think that a lot of Cardinals fans who are wanting to get that type of Chandler Jones player it's going to be a bit more expensive than simply giving up. We have the trade is likely to be accepted for Arizona. If you take away that third round pick, they still say that they'll accept it. I think at least from the trade value chart, you'd probably have to give up pick number 87 to get into the top 10. Is that a move that you would do with the players that are on the board right now? You think? I mean, this is, that is definitely not a move I would make just because I think however, however many analysts have already said it, but this draft class is loaded with edge rushers so 
I, I don't think there really is a need to to trade up to acquire either an edge rusher or you know another pass rusher or whatever. I think I mean if you're going to trade it for anyone, I think it'll be for a receiver because those are the players that are most likely going to go early. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd stay pat at a, a pick number twenty three, and you know whoever falls and whoever the Cardinals love, you you take him and there's no looking back. For sure. So. Yep, the one player that I think that stands out here is Jermaine Johnson, who's the edge rusher from Florida. With the Cardinals, there's a lot of pass rushers we'll find, I think, at 23 that have issues, whether it's production or maybe a little lack of size. That's one of the areas, if you want a long, lengthy pass rusher who's put up productive numbers, like what Chandler Jones was for the Cardinals, I do think that this would be kind of that avenue of pick 10, 11, 12, if you don't end up getting one of those elite edge rushers and you're back at the wheel next year, there's definitely areas of having to pay a guy, of having to trade up. So we'll see what happens for those. That would be the only option I think that is a maybe. But like you said, Andy, there's definitely, like I think, a lot more needs that simply do that. And giving up a 23 first-round pick is a lot. So let's continue yeah. at least with the next few picks for the most part here. So here's where we've got the next, and this is maybe some of the meat of the draft. We're starting to see wide receivers come off the board. Pick 10 to the Jets, Charles Cross. Pick 11, see Garrett Wilson go Ohio State. I think the Jets may be taking a receiver with one of those first two picks. We haven't seen Drake London come off the board yet. We see Devin Lloyd going uh, to the Vikings. I could see that being a corner. You do see Trent McDuffie, the cornerback, going at pick 13. Drake London goes at pick 14 to the Ravens. I think, honestly, I would probably look at this to be the range where Jordan Davis could come off the board, potentially, um, if he hasn't gone in the top 10 already. You then end up seeing Chris Olave goes at pick number 17. Eagles are on the clock at pick number 18. And uh, this is an interesting avenue, I think, for the most part, because the cost to jump up here is still probably prohibitive. You're probably going to have to give up your first round pick and then your second round pick. Maybe you could get away with a third, but like again, Andy, I've seen so far with the receivers, you see Jamison gone, you see Garrett Wilson gone. The only one who's really left at this point is probably Drake London. Now you've got a Trayvon Burks, yeah. you've got a Jahan Dotson. If the Cardinals do want to go wide receiver, they, they've got some options at least, even if they waited, but... That's kind of the question of you're starting to see receivers fall off the board at pick thir- uh, pick 15 and 17. Are you getting a little anxious about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think as in, with all mock drafts, the top tier receivers are normally off the board early. So if the Cardinals want a receiver, you're more than likely going to have to trade up for one. But knowing Steve Kimes' draft history and just really the, not really wanting to trade up in the first round with maybe the exception of Josh Rosen... <laughs> I mean, I think the Cardinals will stay pat and and I th- uh, uh, by by draft day, and uh, yeah, they'll probably stick with that or trade down to to get picks in the third or fourth round. And I know they're missing picks sure. or not. Yeah, so I know they're missing picks in the fourth and the fifth round. So, um, so they might have an interest in you know trading back and and acquiring picks for those for those rounds. But uh, so we'll see what happens. For sure, yeah. I, I think I lean toward you. We've seen Steve Kime be aggressive and trade up once, and it was essentially for um, getting Josh Rosen. It only cost him a third and a fifth to move up five spots into the top ten. Raiders also were looking at an offensive tackle after the guy they wanted went ahead of them. I think with this mock, some of the positions or the players that go may be right. Some of the teams are questionable. Nicobe Dean, I think that there's a huge hole at tackle. There's maybe even a huge hole at quarterback, you could argue, at least, depending on your feelings with Jameis Winston. It's kind of a weak NFC this year. I think that it would be a tackle and maybe a receiver, or 
you know, the Saints did trade up. Maybe at pick number 16 and 19, you could package those, jump up into the top five picks or so. Let's continue at least with some of the draft and get up to the Arizona Cardinals. So here's where we've got some of these other big names fall off of the board. You've got Jordan Davis going at pick 18, Malik Willis to the um, it's New Orleans Saints. You've only seen one uh, quarterback go so far. Kenny Pickett has taken a fall. Jermaine Johnson goes at 20. He falls quite a ways for the most part. Uh, Patriots take a tackle, Bernard Raymond. And one of my favorite prospects in this draft, Devontae Wyatt, goes at pick 22. So here's what you're going to see, at least for some of the board, based on pro football focus. There's a couple of trade options available, but let's let's take a look at this scenario for some of the players. So they're pretty high in Sam Howell, the quarterback. The Cardinals aren't obviously going to take one. You've got Tyler Linderbaum, a center out of Iowa. A tackle, Trevor Penning, a massive 330-pound, 6'8 type of tackle. you got David Ajabo, who tore his Achilles at his pro day. Uh, Andrew Booth, the cornerback out of Clemson. Uh, Kyrie Elam, another cornerback out of Florida. And then you're starting to get into this kind of second tier of receivers. You've got Traylon Burks, Sky Moore are both receivers. Uh, one's out of Western Michigan, one out of Arkansas. Uh, Burks is the one I think that's probably the most interesting one, at least for those here. There's maybe another, the next best edge rusher that you're going to see, at least, is going to be one of Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. And then you've got Arnold Ebikati, the uh, defensive end or edge rusher out of Penn State. Uh, these guys have all tested well. We've also seen Jahan Dotson still on the board. I know that he's been linked to the Cardinals in the past week. Might be in their top five receivers. You can see at least how there's a quarterback still on the board with Kenny Pickett. So let's talk about the players before we look at trade options. Andy, is there a player that sticks out like a sore thumb to you the Cardinals should be racing up the podium to get? Well, I know a lot of people will probably be will probably be wanting the Cardinals to take a uh, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, considering he's probably the best available receiver on the board right now. But they're also uh, a case there where you can make maybe even David Ojabo out of Michigan. I know he suffered a season ending, uh, or I guess a year ending injury, um, maybe a few weeks ago. And, you know, but he won't be able to play in 2022. But I think there's also uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College where you can improve your interior offensive line. I don't know that's something that the Cardinals probably need to do, um, you know, going into the uh, 2022 season. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're really, I mean, aside from maybe Burks and Johnson, I mean, there isn't really <laughs> any other player where I'd be like, hey, look, you, you got to choose them. So, right. um, so, so it's hard. I mean, there's still a lot of talent on the board. Like I said, there's there's Ojabo, but you know, he's not going to play in 2022. There is Linderbaum, who's widely regarded as the best center um, in the in the NFL draft. Um, so, so man, it, it, it's a tough call, man. It's a it's a very tough call. So yeah, I, I think it, yeah. It was, oh, go ahead. You can finish what you're. No, gonna no. Say. I, I was curious. Like like I don't know what you'd do with, with this pick here, but. And there, there are still quite quite a few good options. And I, ideally, you'd want to take a receiver here. And I know the Cardinals fan base would, would love one. But is Burks your guy? Is, is, Burks, is Burks going to be the number two receiver opposite Hopkins? Because I know he saw most of his production in the slot. And the Cardinals do already have a slot receiver in Rondale Moore, who they drafted last year in the second round. So, so whatever they plan to do, um, you know, 
got to be yeah. a good one. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You mentioned how there's definitely offensive line issues. I think that because of the signing, that would be pushed a little lower on their board. Teams do draft for needs. Linderbaum's not a guy I think that they would look at. He's one of the most talented center prospects we've seen, but he's a bit smaller. There is some injury issues that we had. It feels like that teams don't take centers in the first round as much. I could see him being a steal on day two, but also the Cardinals went out traded for Rodney Hudson. You'd be having to then either playing Linderbaum at guard, being an undersized guard, or moving on from that. Penning, I think, is one of the avenues of, despite being a massive man, some people may say he falls to this range, but that's probably the second deepest position on the Cardinals. <laughs> You're talking about safety yeah. being the deepest, and then you've got already Josh Jones, you have DJ Humphreys, you also have your offensive tackle on the right tackle, Kelvin Beecham, under contract. Humphreys, maybe this would be a spot where there could be a surprise pick of left tackle. I've said that may be the case where we noticed that happened with the pick of DJ Humphreys. They were not going to keep their previous right tackle, Bobby Massey. He was the best player on their board in the 20s. They ended up taking him, and we saw him slide into right tackle a season later before eventually flipping to left. Corner is, I think, the interesting avenue because in this situation, I know the only, I guess I could say maybe I would call elite type of player would be the Zion Johnson who's present. But the problem with Zion, like you said, is they don't really have a need at offensive guard this season. You'd have to beat out a entrenched starter. Um, and when it comes to a lot of the other stuff, you're having to then ignore some of those big positions of need. It would be, I think, a positive for the Cardinals, I think, to take in one of the best linemen in a draft. You would be essentially, you know, adding not just to Kyler Murray's present, but his future. But it would come at a cost when there's other talent. So I think in this situation, it feels really much like there's not one guy that's sticking out there. I feel like the Cardinals in this spot may be trying to trade back and see if a team wanted to maybe move up. I don't think someone's going to try to jump the Cowboys for the likes of a Kenny Pickett. But if you could see someone who's saying, hey, you know, we'll jump up and take Trevor Penning, we could, you know, use a tackle. Or let's say that the Green Bay Packers, who took Devontae Wyatt last round, want to trail on Burks and would trade up. That may be a spot where you could jump back to pick 28 and still get some of these options. So here we've got the Chicago Bears are right now the one of the teams that has tried to trade up. I don't think that's something that they would have to give up quite a bit of draft capital. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, the one thing I would look at for the most part, if you're talking about the Packers or the Chiefs or a team, the Chiefs have two first-round picks. They could then get their likes of Traylon Burks. I feel like in this spot, you'd probably – would you move back for a fourth-round pick, or would you think that the Cardinals should try to press for a third-round pick if they were going to jump back in this spot, Andy? Well, let's – well, if they were to trade with the Chiefs, I'd, I'd like to think they'd try to acquire an additional third-round pick. Um, but, you know, if you're trading back, you're, you're – they're going to try – the Cardinals are going to try to fill the gap between the third round and the sixth round – considering they're missing a fourth and a fifth round pick but you know but but yeah if you're trading as far back as pick number 29 i think the cardinals would more than likely demand at least a third round pick in return um if not you know maybe maybe a fourth and a fifth but you know whatever the whatever they deem is fair right i think it has to be between they have to get picks uh uh, picks in rounds three through five to, to make it worth it. So Yeah, and I, and I think that you're right. And If the Cardinals did move back to that level, it's probably you could get away with a fourth. You're, you're missing a fourth-round pick this year. Uh, I think you would prefer to get a third-round pick, but you can see how there's pick 50, pick 62, or essentially second-round picks. Chiefs end right. up getting a haul for Tyreek Hill. If it's pick number 94, that to me seems like that, that would be a best of both worlds. There's also a pick 103. I think you would try to push for pick 94 in that scenario with the 
a team like that. And then I would still go back and take pick 103 for the most part. So just to give us a few more options, let's go ahead and say that the Chiefs wanted to trade up. They pick uh, 23. Cardinals will get pick 29. We'll see what some of those options are there. I'm going to go ahead sure. and force that trade through, uh, assuming that it'll let me click on it. There we go. So now we'll pick back and we'll resume that draft. So let's see. We've got the board falls now to the Cardinals. Here's where you see, you know, you've got Andrew Booth, Traylon Burke go off the board to the Cowboys and Bills. I think that the Bills may be looking at uh, taking a first-round running back. It'll be interesting. Zion Johnson does come off the board. I, I do think that he may be off the board regardless at pick 24 to the Cowboys if he falls there and the Cardinals pass on him. Kyrie Irland, the corner, goes. And then David Ajabo still goes in the first round. So now we're getting to essentially the second level of players for the most part. So I think the guys that stand out the most here for me are an edge rusher and Arnold Ebikati. I think that uh, Boye Mafe, who's super athletic, stands out. And then the receivers, you've got Sky Moore is one of the receivers that's there. And then you also would have at least one of the most interesting uh, receivers, at least to me, in George Pickens, who's coming off of an injury in Georgia. He's also available at this pick. There's, I think, at least some other talent that's ranked a little lower on their board. People have talked about Christian Watson and Alec Pierce as well. I think that that's kind of the cutoff is if one of these guys is available in the second round, do you want to wait to take a receiver and then take a look at adding an edge rusher? Because I feel like right now if it was up to me, I would lean toward grabbing that edge rusher, seeing how many receivers are left on the board, and know that that need is filled. What, what are some of your thoughts on the talent that you've seen that's still available here on the board? No, I think at this point you you have to take best player available, and I, th I think if you're taking receiver here, the Cardinals would con be, would be considered reaching at this point. Um, and I think there's a lot of top talent edge rushers still available and uh, good ones that belong in the first round. And whether it's uh, Ebikadi or or someone else, I think I think this is this is the pick where you you know land an edge rusher to, to play opposite uh, Marcus Golden and. Yeah, better rip. So. Yeah, I was going to say at least between the two with Boye Mafe at least and um, looking at the others, the biggest thing that I've seen for the most part is I am a person who had leaned more toward the likes of Ebikati over Mafe because they both tested similarly very, very well. Part of the reason why I think at least that's been a little bit different is that size is one of the things I, I think we've seen at least the Cardinals been able to make it work with undersized edge rushers but when you're talking about Boye Mafe at about 6'4 261 um, he had a huge senior bowl practice for the most part at least that and a, a solid game I believe as well Ebikati is a little bit smaller he's about 15 pounds lighter so he's only 6'2 but he did end up having at least a uh, I believe it was 52 pressures at least from the season and when you're talking about Penn State pass rushers, you know, he's not quite the Micah Parsons that we saw last year, but I think that he's solid enough for the most part that if you had to say between the two of these, when you're talking about the draft, you go for the upside of the proven production. I think in this place, I would honestly probably lean toward Ebikati despite him being a little bit smaller because I feel like I've seen enough on the tape to seeing the pass rushers. Mafe, at least, it seems like a physical freak that hasn't had the same part of production that we've seen. But, goodness, he definitely blew up in the Senior Bowl for the most part and has been one of those players that I think at least you're talking about maybe a round two type of talent. But you can't always get round one talents in the first round, right? Right. I, I, I don't really think you could go wrong with either either edge rushers. I think I think you'd be landing a good one either way. But I think I think you make a really good point about Ebikati, maybe just being the slightly better player. 
Um, I think he might be, you know, maybe less athletic and maybe not as long, but still, still, still a talented player. I think had 9.5 sacks this past season at Penn State, and Avakadi uh, and Mafe are well worth the first round selection. So, so whichever one you go with, I think, I think would be a good choice for the Cardinals, yeah. considering they have a huge need there. And I think the more pass rushers that the Cardinals have, the, the better their defensive backfield will be, considering they really struggled at the cornerback position after the pass rush um, was lost, with, with Watt being out for more than half of the season. So, um, so yeah, uh, Mafe or, or Abikati would, would be a really solid pick for the Arizona Cardinals, a pick number 29 um, within the trade down. So. Uh, if you're looking for a straight, like just pure pass rush, Nick Benito, Oklahoma is a guy that maybe you look for at round two. He's also one of the guys who, of course, is super athletic on the smaller side at 6'3", 250. And I think that that's the avenue of if you can get him as a – he's a pure pass rusher, that's something that you can do in this scheme. I do think that I'll go with the likes of Ebikati at this pick, and then we'll move on and see where we've got going into the next round. Uh, we'll just fast forward versus going through every single pick for the most part, but some of the Cardinals' targets – uh, I think that you could look at like a Sky Moore goes off the board. Jahan Dotson goes off the board here. You do see Kenny Pickett fall to the second round. If you can tell me that Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter are able to go in the first round for Arizona, if they can go early enough where you see Pickett go at six, if you could see a team like the Saints take a Desmond Ritter, that will be the spot where I then think that you're going to start to see maybe a you know Jermaine Johnson, if he picks goes down the board of Jordan Davis, maybe one of those Ohio State receivers gets pushed down the board. Otherwise, at least for looking at on the clock, you got a couple of other pass rushers, of course some linebackers. I know that would not be appealing to Cardinals fans. Now we've got a interesting scenario where You've got the number one running back in Brees Hall on the board, but you just extended James Conner. You could probably bring in a running back, too. You'd be setting yourself up for probably long-term success for the next three to four years. With The Cardinals have been a very run-heavy team. This is a spot where I think, at least, though, you probably are seeing just enough wide receivers that are available, that have talent, that I don't think you could go. It would, it would help the offense. But I don't think that you could take a halfback this early. And there's not really any defensive linemen that I think that I'm seeing on the board. There's there's talent. Um, you're seeing at least a guy like Perry and Winfrey at Oklahoma. But the guys who I'd be targeting in this range, um, you're talking about the Logan Halls. You're talking about a Drake Jackson on the edge. Um, you're even talking at least about a... Uh, a defensive end for the most part, at least. I think you're like, these. those talents have already been kind of snapped up. This seems to me like it would be Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce, maybe even Justin Ross range for me for the Cardinals, Andy. Yeah, no, I think I think you make a really good point. Um, I think having gone defense in the first round, you, you'd like to think that the Cardinals will at least go offense in the second round. And I think taking a look at a guy available like Jalen Tolbert, who I think... The very polished route runner, maybe a little bit on the older side at age 24, I believe. I mean, I think he, he really stood out, um, like stood out a lot in college. Um, I had, I think, back to back 1,000 yard seasons. And yeah, there's, a, there's just, there's a really a lot to like about Jalen Tober coming out of a small school, I understand, but, but it really looked like he's, he's well prepared for the NFL level. And I don't think the Cardinals can go wrong with taking a guy like Tolbert with their second round pick. 
Right, and that's something that's interesting because it would be going back to small school, and we've seen the Cardinals have success going to small school receivers with finding the likes of John Brown. We've also seen them have some dramatic failures in the second round with taking an Andy Isabella second round. I understand it's a little bit of a risk, and he did measure in a little smaller than people were expecting. He measured in at 6'1 and only 194 pounds, which, you know, for some players, like, that's probably about the same range, though, as the likes of... Um, what might surprise people, it's about the same weight as C.D. Lamb was a year previously. Now, Lamb played bigger than his size. Tolbert, one of those guys as well. He was one of the better big play threats as well as a goal line guy. I, I think that if you could say, hey, we're going to bring back uh, A.J. Green for a season, that'll allow you to have your outside develop Jalen Tolbert over the course of the year, be able to coach him up. That may be one of those long-term options because he's one of the few guys that – has shown the ability, if he develops well, to be able to be an every-down player. Uh, and not just be an every-down player, but to be a starting, impactful wide receiver too. Maybe not a wide receiver one, um, but effective. PFF is also very high on Justin Ross for the most part. And I was going to get some of the thoughts, at least if you had, on other players that we still see on the board. But Ross is interesting because it feels like that he had two years that you just didn't hear of him, was not able to play football due to health issues. But his first year, it looked like he was about to be a top-five pick, almost a DK Metcalf type, and he kind of comps similarly to A.J. Green. It's just health seems to be a concern there. Yeah, so I, I think, like you said, health <laughs> seems to be the biggest issue for, I guess, qu- quite a few uh, prospects in this NFL draft. And But I think, like you said, the, the, the intriguing uh, size that Ross has and you know that, that length, uh, the, the ability to play on the outside and, and possibly dominate, maybe we, with better quarterback playing in the NFL could do wonders for him. Um, so, so, so I mean, but it's tough though. I mean, uh, we, we don't know if he'll return to his his early, I guess, first year form from uh, at Clemson, and uh, it's hard to it's hard to project. I guess his level of success at the at the NFL level once he gets drafted, but but I think the potential is there. Um, I think with the player like Kyler Murray quarterbacking, you know, quarterback the team and having, say, Murray, you know, throw the ball to him, I think Ross could have a lot of success in the NFL. But the, the thing with the Cardinals is, do, do they feel like they need a number two receiver? I know they have Zach Ertz and Max Williams, um, two very capable pass catchers at the tight end position. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They obviously drafted Rondell Moore last season. So, so they have weapons on that offense. I know maybe depth-wise they're not, not, all, not all that great, but I think maybe this is a year where maybe they are a little bit more, you know, like, uh, like you know, uh, ground-heavy in terms of, like, r- running the football a little bit more, maybe using utilizing Kyler Murray's speed a little bit more in 2022 compared to 2021 where Kyler Murray was kind of, um, made an effort in staying um, you know, in the pocket and not, not running as much as he did in 2020. So so there, there are a lot of avenues that the Cardinals can go in, and I really don't know what the Cardinals' plans are uh, for the 2022 season, considering the lack of free agent acquisitions. But, but yeah, whatever they deem as a need will, will be very, very interesting, So yeah, especially with the wide receiver position. Right. I think that's one of the avenues. If you feel like you'd want to get a receiver to play on the outside, now there's obviously some guys like Julio, OBJ that are available, but the money that they're going to cost 
Uh, it just feels like the Cardinals are going to wait until addressing something after the draft. Maybe there's an opportunity that you could look at a guy like Jadavion Clowney who signs late, reuniting him with J.J. Watt. There's a couple of other pass rushers that are still available. Um, I believe last year saw Melvin Ingram was a guy that was traded late. These are all some avenues that I think we could see from Arizona. All right. So here's the other thing that pops up. We talked about the plus of a guy like a Zion Johnson in round one. We talked about how potentially fixing some of the offensive line issues for long term may be helpful. This would be an interesting scenario if you could tell me that the Cardinals are going to go out and actually pay some money to get a wide receiver. Stashing a guy like Dylan Parham as a second-round pick, super athletic, super effective guard. He would be one of those guys who can pull in space for Cliff Kingsbury when you're talking about a power scheme or setting up screen passes. That would be a spot that would fill a starting role. You don't also have to then necessarily be able to keep him over um, – on the starting role, you'd like to see impact, I think. But then, as we see with the Cardinals, injuries can happen. You have guys who have to fill in. This would be an interesting pick if they decided to take an edge rusher first round and then either be content with A.J. Green for a year, focus on that alpha wide receiver in the next season, and essentially be able to say, hey, we're going to address a need for the offense in Kyler. We're going to address a need for the edge rush, and we're going to stash one of the best players that we see here, knowing that, We'd rather not give him four brand-new starters for next year. Um, If they extend EJ Humphreys, then it would be three. The other player that I really like, and this is one of the actual players I would consider picking at this spot, would be Alec Pierce, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. He's one of the most athletic players we've seen in a long time. He's a 6'3 guy. He's 208 pounds, so it's not talking about a smaller player. He's got exceptional catch point abilities. He was able to get yards after the catch, and he made a lot of plays on these deep outside vertical routes. Also ended up running in the low 4'4s. At first it said that he was going to run like a 4'3 versus... Um, and it ended up being, I think, at least a little bit underneath. But the biggest thing that's interesting about Alec Pierce when you look at some of the athleticism he have, uh, he has, excuse me, is that he's just got a really, really strong profile that comps to the likes of a DJ Shark. So you're talking about that big, lengthy, outside guy who can make plays in the end zone, who's able to accelerate, and who's able to be moved, you know, not just as simply just one route and go. He can get used over the middle and have some other plays, break a tackle or two. Um, Just having that athleticism, this if the Cardinals are not taking a receiver or don't see one in the first round. Uh, Pierce is a guy that I would probably strongly consider here. Uh, He did produce at a big school, a little bit bigger than Southern Alabama. Just didn't have, I think, that back-to-back 1,000-yard profile or the Clemson offense bump that we've seen from Justin Ross. Uh, do you have any thoughts at least you'd have on Pierce or any of the other receivers in this place, like a Shakir, uh, Khalil Shakir, people of like John Mechie the third who also tore his ACL? Um, there's also, at least I know, a couple of other running backs that are there, but I feel like this would be the spot for the last kind of spot you could grab a receiver before you're just throwing darts at the board for round three if you're the cards. Yeah, I think I think Pierce is a very intriguing player, and like you said, he has the size, has that speed to, to really stretch the field. And I think the Cardinals are looking maybe even looking for a bigger receiver to play on the outside that can, you know, take it to the house. And and I don't think the Cardinals really had that kind of receiver. Maybe AJ Green last season didn't really have, you know, that that game changing speed like he had it early on in, in in his career. But you know, like have, but to get a player like Pierce would. And if he, if he could live up to his potential, he, he could really do wonders for, for this uh, Cardinals football club. And I think, like you said, he he performed at a very, very high level. And I believe 
Desmond Ritter was his quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, who was a projected first rounder. Um, so, so yeah, so I think Pierce will be a really good selection here with with, with this pick. So, yeah, especially if he can um, produce like he did um, like the season prior. So, so yeah. Yeah, that would be one at least of you'd be looking again at pounding the rock doing the ground and pound. I feel like between this, for me, it would be a toss-up between I would probably stay away from likes of Justin Ross unless, of course, the Cardinals look at him and say he's the exact perfect fit. I think that you can find a good avenue with Tolbert. Hopefully you can move the receivers around. So for me in this spot, I would say it's a toss-up between Tolbert and Pierce. I feel like that we both would probably look at – we could probably look at Tolbert given some of the production, the outside ability. I think that Pierce maybe is the better fit and maybe more athletic receiver but then you're not talking about you know thousand yard seasons he got better season over season he ended up with 873 yards on i believe it was uh 82 targets so it's about 16.8 yards a catch he would fit the mold of what we've seen with them like but he may not be as complete of a receiver as um jalen tolbert could be since tolbert is a guy i think you could line up inside or outside in the slots whereas pierce seems like he's definitely an outside receiver the way the cardinal structure i would probably lean pierce here would you lean pierce or would you think that tolbert would be the guy you would prefer i mean for me i'd prefer i prefer tolbert just tolbert just because i believe he he is the better route runner he seems a little bit more polished in that category than i uh, than pierce but but i think uh, pierce is is definitely more athletic. I think is is a tad bit bigger than than Tolbert. Um, so I think the potential for both of them is there. Um, but but yeah, for, for me, I definitely go Tolbert. But but Pierce wouldn't be a bad option either. But I think maybe even at this point in the draft, it maybe it is a little bit reaching because it feels like we're drafting more for need than mm-hmm. we are for maybe BPA, the best player available. And and maybe those two players are deemed the best players available. But but I don't know. It, a little bit hard to say, but. But if we were to pick between those two receivers, I'd pick Tolbert um, all day. So <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some other talent that's already gone off the board of with Pickens, Roger McCreary, a little bit short arms. Trent McDuffie has some shorter arms as well. Logan right. Hall. These are some guys who I think could be possibilities for Arizona. Yeah. We I don't think we want to talk about corner necessarily because it feels to me like this is one of those spots of if you take a corner, it'll feel like it's going to be one of those there's no one else available, this is the best player on our board type of picks. I don't right. think that Steve Kime likes to try to do that. I think that he looks at the needs and tries to both address a need and find the best player, which is something right. that's there. Um, right. This is the spot where I agree with you. I would probably say that some of the players that we see, we already took an edge rusher. There's multiple linebackers here i don't think that you would take a tackle in this spot unless you were dead set i'm thinking that you know you're going to be losing dj humphreys and another player you'll need a starting tackle in a year you're also going to need a guard and i think there's better guards on the board i would go ahead and say let's go with you i agree and we'll take our wide receiver here in jalen tolbert out of southern alabama Cardinals go back to a small school, back-to-back, 1,000-yard receiving play. Now we get to, and you know, I didn't mention some of these other running backs because I think that they would pop up here. We've got a couple of running backs who are here on the board in addition to Damian Pierce that I could see being possibilities. Now, in round three, I originally thought that this would be a spot for the Cardinals to take a back, but if they're able to get Daryl Williams, that may take that off the board. Pierce is falling all the way here to round three. Another couple players, and this is where I think if you did want to get a round three running back who could tote the rock, you worry a little bit about, 
you know, wanting to have a guy that's able to split carries with James Conner, take over for his health. You mentioned Pierce. There's also Tyler Algier out of BYU. He's almost like the spinning image on tape and in his measurables of James Conner. Like, a little slower, he ran the 4-6, but he is a bruising back who can make plays out of the backfield. About 5'11", 224. Uh, he just, no nonsense, will run forward, will be able to get you yards. Um, I think that maybe the Cardinals would look at an Eno Benjamin as maybe still a running back three. You've also got a Brian Robinson out of Alabama is a nice little running back. Rashad White, this is the round where I think that he could go as well. Uh, he reminds me a bit of David Johnson with his cuts. I think I'd stay on the board here if I'm the Cardinals. There's also probably a couple of other needs that you could say as far as, you know, you look at a corner, looking at a future tackle. I think now that we've addressed the edge rusher, we have addressed the wide receiver, you're probably looking at one of the best players available, which is a good spot for the Cardinals to be in this arena of the NFL draft. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, especially at the running back position, there, there's definitely a lot of talent there. Rashad White could be, is a, would be a great direction for the Cardinals to go in. But I think it, it, it will be interesting to know, like, what the Cardinals or how the Cardinals feel about, you know, Benjamin. Do they plan for him mm. to be the... The, the number two running back behind James Conner, or do they plan on taking one in the draft? But I think there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of talent here, in, in, especially at the Cardinals position at uh, pick number 87. I think even a player like Jer Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati is, is, a, is a very intriguing player himself. Definitely mm -hmm. a very speedy, speedy kind of, uh, kind of running back that could take it to the house. I think that's, and that's one thing that, in my opinion, the Cardinals lacked from the run, running back position last season. I think, I think Chase Edmonds always had, you know, that versatility to catch passes out of the backfield, and you know, and, and was a very elusive uh, ball carrier. But he, but he never really had that game-changing speed, in my honest opinion. Mm. Um, but I think Jerome Ford has that, and I think I think a, a lot of players in this draft definitely has that as well. Especially uh, a guy that broke out, I guess, or even made his made himself known at the NFL Combine, Pierre Strong. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think he'd be a very intriguing player for, for the Cardinals to, to consider as well. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what how the Cardinals or you know, feel about you know Benjamin and yeah and and will that affect their decision taking running back in the draft so definitely so this is also a range where you know we talked a little bit offensive line there's defensive line there's not as many of the talented defensive line picks that have kind of made it this far i do at least like the idea of if the cardinals could address their edge rusher or receiver and then get kind of a run stuffer um you know you're talking about um the only guy i think that's in this range it seems there'd be a Federian mathis who the best way i'd put it is he's not got quite the athletic upside of a zach allen but if you think of zach allen and who he's kind of been you know, he hasn't been essentially, I think, the player the Cardinals thought, which is getting a steal. They had a first-round grade on him. But he's kind of been a player who's been reliable, is able to stop with being against the run, has even been able to get a few sacks. That might be the spot. Matthew Butler is another guy I like out of Tennessee. The question I think this comes down to, at least, is do you take the upside of a guy for the future? I know Kellen Deesh is a tackle that, you know, Zach Tom is one of my favorite tackles, I think, in this draft. I even like him. Uh, a bit better than Kellen Deesh just because he ended up measuring in at least a lot better at a 6'4", He might be a guard at the next level for the most part, but he is just an incredible athlete. If you're taking a player for this, the question I have is, do you want to try to win now? Add the running back, who's a second bruiser, kind of cement yourself of having a running back for Kyler Murray for the rest of his rookie deal. That could be a bruiser 
no matter how the James Conner contract turns out, if he gets hurt, but he did get hurt quite a bit in Pittsburgh for the most part, by getting that kind of, you know, uh, having a thunder, adding a lightning in the offseason, whether that's keeping Eno or adding Darrell Williams, would you lean toward taking at least the tackle and the offensive lineman for the future, or would you say we're going to grab the running back, we're going to hit the teams hard, and we're going to push for a Super Bowl in our home stadium this year? Uh, Marcus Jones is a corner out of Houston. He's the only guy. He's undersized as heck is the problem. Yeah. Uh, he's a playmaking corner. If you're talking about needing a slot corner, as far as for, hey, let's say Byron Murphy is going to be leaving his contract for that one, getting paid somewhere else, you get another pick similar to the Christian Kirk situation. That's something I think you could consider here. But I think in this regard, I would lean toward a tackle with protecting Kyler for the long term or leaning the halfback between Pierce or Tom. What would you lean if you had a choice to make on the matter, Andy? Or would you go for somewhere else entirely? I mean, I think I think the Cardinals right now are in a position where, you know, uh, considering the results of the draft so far, the Cardinals already took two potentially day one starters. And I don't feel like at this point they need to draft another player that needs to start day one for the Cardinals in 2022. So... So, you know, taking a tackle for the future wouldn't be a bad option either considering you know, games are won in the trenches. So ultimately, you're taking a guy like 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 Tom, um, Zach Tom, um, who who is probably the most athletic um, offensive lineman in this draft. I mean, yeah. you can't really <laughs> go wrong with it. I mean, considering he has that positional versatility to to play guard and tackle. I mean, this is this is probably a player of the that Steve Kine probably covets uh, that, that mm-hmm. positional flexibility and versatility is something I think all teams really want on their team. Um, and yeah, Tom, Tom is definitely a really good talent that could potentially start for this football club uh, in, in like 2022 or 2023 at probably the latest. So, I mean, the, the talent is there, especially with the guy like Sean Coogler um, in charge. So, so yeah, the, I, I'd probably go off in the line here. Um, yeah, I, th- the I think right we're on the same page. I think we both really like Pierce's uh, athleticism. We both like, you know, he's a straight line runner, kind of your Leonard Fournette type. But I think that we're both in agreement on taking Tom or finding one of those guys you can stash for a bit would be a solid move. Now, normally this would be the last pick we'd see for the Arizona Cardinals. We did manage to get another pick at least. This is pick 103, essentially another third round pick. I think you probably could look at some form of a fourth round pick that would be looking for them for the most part. But let's talk at least about some of the players that may be available kind of in some of the, if the Cardinals trade back or able to get another player. I think in that spot, this would be where I would start wondering, is this going to be kind of the range where maybe you could trade back and see a guy who's like, um, and this is maybe kind of an interesting avenue, do you take a guy like a Myjai Sanders who falls into the third round and that be your edge rusher? You look at the tight end position here. You've mentioned Jerome Ford. There's a couple of other solid players. The guy that I think for me stands out, and I would say this is, I think that Jeremy Ruckert, when you watch him on tape, is just a bit better of an NFL tight end than what I would say would be um, the guy out of Colorado State, for the most part at least, the other tight end, who did win, I will say that he did win the Mackey Award. Usually that's what you look at as far as for players being like one of the best in their class. But as far as it comes to where the tight end position, they've got their main guy as far as a pass catcher locked up. They've got a one-year deal. There's a guy that Jeremy Ruckert, him being available, would be uh, an interesting pick. It was Trey McBride's the name of that player. 
Um, you've got also an athletic freak in Jelani Woods, a guy who like was not used as much as a big receiving tight end. He's 6'9", transferred to Virginia, ended up putting together a fantastic season. Uh, no, sorry, not 6'9", 6'7", 269 pounds is where he is. He put up about 600 yards, was one of the main targets in that offense. Um, at 71, uh, 44 catches for 500 yards. So when you're talking about a big weapon, I think that he's one of those guys you look at. The other name the Cardinals fans I know have been interested in is Grant Calcaterra, the former Oklahoma tight end who caught passes from Kyler Murray. He's had injury issues that even had him retire from football. He came back to SMU, wasn't a main receiver for um, – he was kind of that guy on they would design up plays for him, was an end zone target. Very athletic and smooth player. He reminds me, honestly, a little bit of Zach Ertz, at least before the in, the uh, concussions, at 6'4", 241. Maybe not the smooth of receiver as Ertz, but he did put up, uh, I think it was 465 yards on 38 catches and ended up with, I believe, about four touchdowns for the year. It was kind of the main passing target for SMU, who he came back to after that. Do you think at least that there would be more of a line that you look at? There's also obviously going to be probably a defensive lineman like a Matthew Butler is still hanging around here. Um, and then the halfbacks, we've even talked about some of those halfbacks. You could probably still take a Pierce or one of those players. Is there a spot that you feel like that would be solid for the Cardinals since they're in kind of a place for the most part where a lot of the corners that we're seeing, you know, the only guy that I think at least is a small school guy at 6'2", and then seeing some of these other players are all just going to be these, you know, under six foot, not as long corners. That's what you're kind of getting into. This feels to me like it could be around if the Cardinals trade back, get an additional pick. I could see this adding another defensive lineman. We talk about Ed Stinson in the fifth round. Steve Kime has addressed it. They traded up for Rodney Gunter in the fourth round. I could see this though being a tight end, and maybe uh, maybe you wait on a running back until round six, knowing there's always a guy or two who has upside that falls to that late round. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value at the tight end and the running back position like right now, considering there's a guy like Jeremy Record out of Ohio State who, in my opinion, has probably uh, uh, some of the best hands in in, in, in uh, the NFL in the NFL draft, and I think I think he has enough athletic ability to to really ascend at the NFL level, and I think, in my honest opinion, I think I think he's a he's really a day one starter I, I i watched some of his tape at ohio state and he made made a lot of really good plays and um i don't really think he dropped many balls if at all and uh re- he's, he's a really 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 good player and uh, like i said there's there's a lot of a lot of talent available at both the running back and the tight end position especially with an athletic freak like like a woods out of virginia that's still available who who tested uh, who put up crazy numbers at the combine and at his pro day um, so really, uh, the Cardinals can't really go wrong with with the tight end or running back here to to boost their offense. So, so but but for me personally, I'd probably lean towards picking a tight end, considering Max Williams is on a one year deal, mm-hmm. and and he will be a free agent in 2023, and you know the Cardinals got to potentially have to prepare to move on from <laughs> move on from him um, after the 2022 season. Um, especially if he if he breaks out like we expect, expect him to right. um, in the upcoming season, so so yeah, I I probably I'd probably lean towards picking a tight end, but that's just yeah. Me. 
I think between the two, the question is, do you want kind of that big mismatch guy in Jelani Woods who is still available here, or would you kind of take more of the maybe not the same upside as Woods, maybe not the same pass side as far as Calcaterra? May, I know some people even argued like, hey, you passed in all these Ohio State players. Uh, I would say that you know if you took Calcaterra and Kyler had an instant rapport with him from what we saw with the collegiate level with making some of those star catches, that would be a solid play. But like you said, I think that the safety and upside of Rucker, considering the fact that he is maybe not a dynamic blocker, but as far as when it comes to I would say he's comparable to the likes of a Max Williams. He's also a young tight end you get to grow with, being able to have that. And he did get used a lot as a red zone threat um, for their scheme. I think that Jeremy Rucker would be a solid pick for the Cardinals here. Um, I would even say that uh, I think that Rucker may have a better overall uh, career uh, then a Trey McBride, because I think that people are just going to boost McBride to maybe just a little bit higher level than I think that he's going to be at the next spot of the NFL. Now, this is going to be obviously the long way. The Cardinals have a fifth-rounder pick that they gave up in order to get Zach Ertz from the Eagles, and the fourth-rounder we traded back for one, but the other fourth-rounder was given up in order to get um, their cornerback, Marco Wilson, after one season of both, I don't think there's a single Cardinals fan who's objected or felt like they got screwed out of those types of picks. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I mean, I mean, getting a player like Zach Ertz, I mean, for a fifth rounder is, I mean, it's a steal. It's a steal. There's, there's no, there should be no complaints about it. The Cardinals got an elite Pro Bowl uh, tight end um, on the roster with a, fit, with a fifth round pick uh, and, a, and a player that, you know, may or may not make it you know and that for the level if they were to choose a player with that fifth round selection so i think the cardinals made a really good choice um by acquiring a tight end like like earth and i think yeah the, the sky's the limit the sky truly is the limit for for the cardinals offense and really what earth can do uh, for them in the 2022 season so Great. Yep. No, I think that and we're getting to round six. This is pick 201. The Cardinals have multiple sixth and seventh round picks. It wouldn't shock me if there's a player who fell that they would look to trade up for. Um, there's definitely, I think, at least, you know, the problem is just trying to find unless they see a value in an offensive line in which we've drafted, unless they like another edge rusher. Uh, outside of injury, the, the Wisconsin tight end has kind of fallen a little bit as well. Um, there's some fun guys, at least as far as name. Smoke Monday is a guy who went at the start of round six. But the Cardinals are picking at the back half of round six, and this is where we are. I'm going to say that they've met before with uh, Chikuziem Okwanu. They've met with the tight end out of Maryland. Um, there's also another tight end, I believe it was Isaiah Likely, that they've actually met with for a top 30 visit. He feels like he's going to be more of the... I think the Browns spent, I know, a first-round pick at least uh, a couple years ago. He feels like he's kind of going to be always that Hayden Hurst model of being more athletic than a typical linebacker, maybe more athletic even for downfield routes than a Max Williams, but not quite the blocker you're looking for and then not quite the you know same type of player. The, the kind of name that I think Cardinals fans are scared of is a Rob Hausler, and that's where there's plenty of those type of tight ends that I think pop up. Uh, for the most part, you want to see them develop as being that kind of top-notch pass catcher, but I just don't think that there's one of those guys that are there in this scheme that we've seen. There are some interesting names, though. You're talking about there's a future center possibility upgrading Luke Wattenberg out of Washington. Washington guys and the offensive line have gotten beat up before, though. 
Um, we can also at least say that there's a guy like a Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech. There's some really interesting defensive back names. Jack Jones, who is a 5'11 corner out of, of course, local Arizona State, is one of the guys that we can see. The guy that I'm instantly kind of turned in on, and I've almost drafted him in late round of every one of my last few drafts, is Ty Chandler. Uh, he's kind of the clo- best way I could describe it is if you could kind of take a little bit of Chase Edmonds, a little bit of Andre Ellington, and say that he shows some of the upside and flashes that they had, but maybe not the consistency as far as it comes to some of the tackles breaking. He had a f- total of 1,000 yards or so uh, in 2021. Um, played exceptionally well. He hasn't really been a guy who's had a lot of receptions, not as much of a pass catching back. Maybe a little bit on the small side, but if you need a kind of running back that can come in and maybe not be a starter, but could be that guy who develops into your eventual running back too, um, this would be one of those guys, this may be one of the players, if you look at Eno Benjamin say, hey, we get two years of Eno Benjamin, this guy can push him. I would say that I would lean heavily toward looking at the likes of a Ty Chandler back here in one of these different positions. What, what would you think, at least overall? No, I agree. No, I, I would definitely take the likes of uh, Ty Chandler uh, with this pick, um, a- adding more competition to that backfield, not handing Eno Benjamin the number two job so easily. I think I think it'll be beneficial for the football team. The more competition, uh, the better. I think I think I think it'll make uh, even you know Benjamin a little bit better. I I, I think uh, Ty Chandler. I think he provides he provides he provides a lot. I mean, especially from a production standpoint, he had uh, 1,000 seasons, uh, 1,000 yards um, this past I mean this past uh, year, and I think the Cardinals. Uh, only have what four running backs in the roster with Jalen Samuels kind of, you know, still has still has lots to lots to prove before right. making making this team, but 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 now taking a look at the available players, I, I think even Matt Ariza out of San Diego State is also a very intriguing player as probably the a generational type punter in this draft, and I don't think you could really go wrong with him either. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that the Cardinals, from what we've seen with a lot of areas, I could see them waiting one more year on a punter. They did re-sign Andy Lee to the one-year deal. We've seen what the kicks were like without him. Uh, he's been an incredibly good punter. If they decided to go that route and he's there in the sixth round, I would have no issue for it. Um, that would be one of the spots, at least, that you could bring in. And if it didn't work out, then you would lose it. I feel like I would say in this spot, since you signed Andy Lee, if he had retired, it'd be maybe another thing. You'd be signing a veteran punter. You'd be bringing in competition. Because it's that last year of Andy Lee, if he doesn't work out on the roster, then you feel like that maybe that pick didn't work out. We also have not seen Steve Keim really draft a kicker or a punter in his entire <laughs> tenure. He even said, not yeah, you get those guys in free agency or undrafted free agents. So. I think that you and I would see this Ty Chandler pick, though, as a home run. Let's go ahead and draft him. Get to the last couple picks as we wrap up. This should go pretty smooth. Uh, Cardinals are back on. We've got Matt Ariza still on the board. You've got Brad Hawkins out of Michigan. How about you and I, just for fun, do you want to go ahead and draft the punter just because we kind of can with seeing some of that value? I, I do it. It's a no-brainer decision, so Yeah, that's for it for you. <laughs> Let's go ahead for that there, at least. Poor Andy Lee uh, will grab that. This is where I think there's a nice little drop-off, though. So that's where you're going to start seeing a lot of these, you know, cornerback threes, the guys who at least will fall down the depth chart, these guys are going to start to kind of come off the board here. There's going to be a couple of players that are left over with the tackle spot for the most part. These are all small school guys. Here's where I think we'll have an interesting spot. I'm zeroing in on EJ Perry and Skylar Thompson. The Cardinals, we know for sure, met with EJ Perry, a quarterback out of Brown. And he's intriguing to me because it's a 6'2", 211 for the most part. The biggest thing I think that I've seen is he at least had one great season in 2021. Cardinals, you know, you've got two years left of Colt McCoy. 
The question, I think, is do you want to spend a draft pick on a guy who will be competing with Trace McSorley, another seventh-round pick who put up much more productive numbers at a bigger school? Uh, or would you end up looking at a different spot? Because I think when I take a look at all of these places, for the most part, it's hard for me to see the Cardinals taking on a quarterback unless there's a guy that they really, really like. They think they could trade for another pick, maybe show up in spot duty. It just feels to me too much like there's too many other places on the board uh, they could go. There's a air raid offense. Eric Swenson tackle out of Oklahoma seems to be one of those players. 6'6", 328. He's not nearly as athletic as you want in a starter. Could you see him be a backup or a guy who I think you think of Corey Cunningham ended up getting traded to another team for a higher pick? Those picks, to me, I think make some sense here, or you start looking at special teams player. There's not really any one spot or position, I think, that stands out in this round to me. Yeah, I, I think for uh, for this pick, I, I'd probably go with skill position, but I think, like like you mentioned, the Cardinals did have, a I guess, a private, uh, I guess, meeting or workout with uh, E.J. Perry, who is also the East-West uh, uh, offensive MVP, East West Shrine Bowl offensive MVP. So there's definitely that intrigue there with him. And I think he also is a pretty athletic quarterback. I think he ran like a, what is it, a 4.65 or something at the combine or something like that. So he he provides that uh, or offers that athletic ability just as much as Tra- Tracy McSorley does um, to, to his football club as a third string quarterback. Um, so, but but if I were to Pick any player here, I'd probably go with a skill position player or, or an offensive lineman, um, knowing that Josh Miles is is on the final year of his deal, if I uh, if I uh, recall correctly, and uh, and yeah, so uh, I, I'd probably go with a skill position <laughs> player yeah. or offensive lineman with this pick. Uh, yeah. So now, so far, we haven't seen the Cardinals draft a defensive lineman, but I don't know if I see as much of the value for this late. You would be hoping and trying to find one of those players who um, could be able to fill into the board. I think it's the the Cardinals did re-sign one of their defensive linemen for this past year for the most part. It was a, oh gosh, this name's escaping me. Um, one of the yeah. biggest upside players that they had for the most part. Um, is he has, this is where I have to look it up right now. Cardinals defensive lineman. And we're looking at, um, oh gosh, that's a, a little bit of an older <laughs> article I found here for the most part here. There you go. You got your death chart and starters and backup. I'm talking about, ooh, ah, my, Dogby, that's the one, Michael Dogby. So oh, yeah, if, you can take Dogby. A, if you can find your Michael Dogby in this round, he's gotten to the point where we've seen the Cardinals have uh, been able to see at least a decent with upside, at least not for sure backup defensive lineman. We haven't taken that back yet in our mock. I think with you, you could take a look at least obviously at one of the skill positions. We've already drafted a running back. The receivers that we have here are small school guys like out of Nichols State. You've got maybe some backup centers you could look at for the most part. Nick Ford out of Utah is a Pac-12 guy. Like I think in here, if you're saying that the Cardinals are going to be having to look at, you know, pulling in a new swing tackle. Justin Murray's in the last year of his deal, like you mentioned. I would lean toward taking a tackle here for the most part, but is there a receiver that you would want to look at that you think could have, you know, maybe some sixth-round receiving upside? Uh, there is one guy I think There's, that stands out to me. Yeah, there is one guy, if you scroll a little bit more, with uh, Devin Tompkins, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, prints a little, lot of intrigue. I think he had, like, over 100, rece- uh, 100 receptions this past year. I mean, you put up a little bit undersized at 155 pounds, but yeah, very uh, undersized. Like we're, there's <laughs> been, undersized. we're talking about the what was it? The Rams spent a second round pick on a guy who was that size and weight, and they did not play him. Like this is, there is very few players who are like at 155 who end up seeing that type of success. But like you said, 
he had a 17,000-yard season for uh, Utah State this past year. He was, I believe, a kick and punt returner for the most part. He had 10 touchdown season. This is the type of player that, to me, if you're taking him round three, round four, you're probably saying it's a bit of a reach. The Rams, for some reason, took that with one of the only draft picks that they have left. I agree with you that Devin Tompkins is a player that I would really like here. You could maybe talk about an Eric Ekuzanama uh, uh, out of Texas Tech, a guy that is, I think, the, one of the last years that Cliff recruited, if I remember correctly, as far as that. It's 210-pound 6'2 junior. I think by them having and holding on to Antoine Wesley, he would have to be pushing Wesley for that role. I don't think that we would go with this. I think I agree with you taking the likes of a Devin Tompkins, seeing if you can get one of those types of threats on the field and seeing a hit would seem to make the most amount of sense here. Um, even over, I know Johnny Johnson's in this draft for the most part as well. He's one of the guys where I think we never saw him be the player that we thought he could be after his freshman year at Oregon with 800 yards. Uh, to me, I think Tompkins would be a no-brainer to draft here in round six. Yeah, I think it's hard to ignore his production, especially this late in the draft. And and I'd probably turn in the card as quickly as possible because Tompkins' production at this, like I said, at this late in the draft is in a way kind of a steal, especially if he could produce like that or at the NFL level. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get through the last two picks for the Cardinals. They have 256, 257. The draft only goes to 262. Um, there's at least, I think, between Lucas Kroll and other tight end, they seem to be having pretty stout with that room. Obviously, this is where all the punters seem to go. Uh, this would be, I think, the one area that I would look at for the most part would be, can you get a player for the most part who fits into the corner spot or someone at least on the defensive side? Now, there's not that many defensive linemen that you're going to find. Um, the one that kind of stands out to me that I look at and I see a lot in these mocks of DJ Davidson of Arizona State, 6'5", 325 pounds. He's a guy that is a big space filler. He's mostly a run stopper. He's also old. He's 24 years old for the most part, but those are kind of the areas of when you reach a certain point of age, you can take those guys in round seven. He's a guy that's had not very much sack production for the most part, but was able to play for the most part like in all 12 games that they had this year, was able to get some hurries in, primarily a B-gap player. Um, you can also maybe say like McKinley Williams out of Syracuse is one that's available for this. He's on the lighter side, 285, hence why I think when you talk about size, finding a guy, he would be the player who I think would push a lucky foe to more than anything. You'd be adding him to say, hey, we got another 330-pound nose tackle. It's a local guy, so a lot of people like you know locally will get to see him play. Um, you can maybe look at, you know, these are all going to be the smaller areas of corners. You've got Josh Thompson, a Texas corner, uh, six foot. He's got the arms, and he doesn't have quite as much length as you'd appreciate, um, but was able to at least have one interception in his, uh, I think two interceptions in his career for the most part. Uh, was at least decent, but obviously these are, you know, we're talking about late picks for the most part. Uh, where do you lean toward as far as with these last two picks in a row for some of the different players? Because really, I think what stands out to me the most here is, do you still take that seventh rounder on the like of an EJ Perry, knowing that he's the last pick in the draft, he probably won't make it to camp? And then what would be the other spot that you would look at as well? I think the other position that I'd probably look at is is at center, considering the Cardinals had, had a bit of struggle at the center position with uh, Max Garcia subbing in for uh, Rodney mm. Hudson last season for a few games. And there were quite a few uh, high snaps, low, snap, low snaps, and, you know, it just... It, it, it was it was kind of a struggle with, without Hudson and knowing a guy like James Empey is still available, who I believe is a two-time team, ca- team captain um, at BYU. I mean, I'd probably lean towards taking an offensive lineman here and hoping that he can develop into 
being a a quality backup center for the Cardinals, and and, and even Nick Ford presents that uh, positional versatility as well, um, playing center and might might be able to play all five positions um, on the offensive line. So 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 there's definitely a lot of value with with both players still on the board. Yeah, I think if it was me, I said that I liked Ford as far as for that. For me, he's the no-brainer because of that positional versatility. But you bring up a really interesting point with James Mp. He's a guy that really, at least, I think it stands out the more that you kind of watch him because I didn't expect him to be available like this late for the most part either. I also didn't look at him because, like you said, the Cardinals really have been kind of locked up with Rodney Hudson. I don't think he's a guy that develops into being a starter for the most part, but you really does feel like that he's probably going to be a better run blocker. He's got really good football IQ for the most part. He just doesn't have, you know, that same type and level of power for the most part, I think, that you're looking at for the most part. I think between the two of these, you've got you do it with the positional flexibility guy or take the guy who started 41 straight games at center. This, to me, I think, since we've already gotten a positional flexibility guy, I would have no issue with taking James M. Pay for having a backup center on the roster. The fact that yeah. Nick Ford started and can play center, can play other positions, could fill in. Maybe you'd hope to get lucky with a sixth rounder who could then kind of become your player like that for the most part. But I think with you and I, when you're talking about that consistency and how it's turned out, M. Pay seems like he would be the guy that I think the Cardinals would have maybe a little more value on positional flexibility. But M. Pay seems, like you said, for what we saw last season, if they were to go through that again and Rodney Hudson gets hurt, this should probably be a day three priority for the Cardinals to draft just to have a guy available who can yeah. go, especially since Max Garcia is off the roster now. Yeah, I think, and I think there, there are really no risks taking any player this late in the draft at this point. But I know the Cardinals last year, uh, they, they took a center in the form of uh, Mike Michael Manet, I believe, yeah. out of Penn State. I know he didn't. He didn't uh, turn out the way that the Cardinals expected, and I think he's off the roster. He was point, not but... athletic enough at all and was too right. small. So when you talk about right. football, you know, you don't have to be large to play football. And then there's all their players who sometimes maybe aren't the greatest athletes, but you look at and they're just effective on all of the plays that they do. A great example, obviously, is, you know, James Conner is not like a 4-3 incredibly vertical <laughs> leaping type of athlete, but for his size and strength for that combination is solid. What you don't have, and this is what I remember even talking with our site writer Seth Cox last year, uh, when they drafted Michael Monet, he's like two things. One, he looks like me. I mean, he's got the hairline that I have. He's an older player. And second, he said was, that's a wasted pick because he just is not going to be athletic enough to stick on a roster with that size. Um, you need to be able to see, and this is even with, you know, undersized guys, the only ones that succeeded at that smaller size are the ones who have that powerful athleticism. Now, here's a question I have for you. We like Mpe, we like Nick Ford. You've got back-to-back picks. Should the Cardinals take both of these players potentially back-to-back? Or is there other spot or an option that you would see that would be perhaps more favorable? Oh, that's a tough call because because obviously the Cardinals could could easily take two two centers with <laughs> with back to back picks. But I think exactly. But, but, but keep yeah. but keep in mind the Cardinals can also go out and sign a bargain for bargain free agent to mm-hmm. to, to back up Hudson. So so, so there, are, there are a lot of avenues that the Cardinals can go in. But but honestly, I I probably just I'd go with one center for now. Um, maybe pick one up uh, as an undrafted free agent if one of them become uh, available um, um, like that late. Um, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'd probably go with one center and probably another skill position player. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, yeah, so that's probably what I'd do. Yeah, the one that stands out that's kind of interesting here is an Alabama guy. Now, Alabama receivers seem to always get a bump with Slade Bolden. He had about 400 receiving yards. To me, this is one of the avenues of he's pretty much a slot guy only, I think, is how it's going to work at 5'11", 193. Um, this is all that's really going to be left for the most part are going to be some of these skilled position players. They do mm-hmm. have also, I think, we've already drafted a running back, and we've already gotten, I think, a high enough running back that I don't think the Cardinals would get to one of those. You could maybe look at a linebacker for a special team player here for the most part. Uh, Lucas Kroll is a good size tight end out of Pitt. This is a guy who was catching passes from Kenny Pickett, had six touchdowns in the year. We did kind of already get our tight end three to develop, so he'd probably be one of those players who he's your tight end four. He'd be competing with one of the guys that they had signed for the most part. You're also going to be looking at other special teams players at safety for the most part, like Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma. That's one of the players for the most part that you know you're talking about He's able to do a whole lot more as far as within um, one of those kind of cover safeties. Maybe you can develop a player. I don't see enough, at least for the most part, that tells me that the Cardinals, you know, he's so much more of a box safety than any of the other guys that we've seen. I feel like that they've basically with him, Buddha and Jalen, you already, I think, drafted your sixth round box safety last year, and he's got way more athleticism, and I believe it's James Williams. So I don't know if safety is going to be as much of an option, at least at this avenue. The one thing that would be kind of interesting to me would be, could you in this spot take a look and, you know, say, hey, we're going to go ahead and we've already taken our uh, safety. Do you want to take like a Josh Thompson or take a defensive lineman in McKinley Williams? I would probably lean toward Williams over the likes of DJ Daniel or Merlin Robinson. I know the local guys are really yeah. nice for the most part to look at. Robertson, right. it just feels like as far as there's not really a fit for Robinson that I can see. He's a 240-pound linebacker, but he's really like a defensive end. Like, If you're mm-hmm. hoping that he's got that type of a Marcus Golden motor to get there, it just is one of the spots that he's played so much, at least as far as for being in a box spot that – I feel like that you're looking at him being one of those players who's really great for an ASU player but isn't quite at the NFL level. Is there any other ones that stand out to you that you feel like would be one of the spots for the most part? Or do you think the Cardinals should take one of those skill position players in round six just to maybe even add some depth at the position since they've lost two receivers? And they really, if you're talking about who's the guy behind Rondale Moore in the slot, that would be really up to, you know, their rookie that they'd have to do year one or a free agent. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the, I guess the talent at this point, uh, it, it, it's okay, I guess. Um, it's but, marginal but, at best, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's marginal at best. You're, you're not wrong. But I think the one player that did uh, stick out, or, or two players that stick out, not just EJ Perry, who the Cardinals had, uh, visited with, but also Tyler Goodson. I think he, yeah. uh, Tyler Goodson, the running back, I believe uh, he actually, yeah, I know we took Ty Chandler earlier on, but if we're talking like, if we're best player available, I think he 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 provides that. I think he provides that versatility yet yet again. As I think I think a underrated pass catcher out of the backfield um, had a one thousand yard season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to ignore this kind of production late in the draft. And I think Tyler Goodson could, can end up being a solid rotational running back that, at the NFL level, um, based off of what I've seen um, from the, the, this last season. Yeah, and he doesn't have the rotation. Like he doesn't have the three cone of a Chase Edmonds, and he's 
still probably for his size, more like bowling ball size, like he's 5'9", 197 for the most part. He's a little bit faster, I think you're right, than some of the other players that are left on the board. It's kind of a question of the best player available versus, you know, like I picked up, I think, in the last round, the Ty Chandler type because he was felt a little bit more of a bowling ball type, at least, that could hit harder with um, the some of the size and some of that ability. This maybe tells you that maybe we shouldn't have taken that player if we knew that a Tyler Goodson <laughs> would be available. I kind of think that if you had to pick between an EJ Perry to get one of those guys that maybe the Cardinals could try to stash on the practice squad to develop and maybe a longer-term McCoy type versus one of the other players on the field left here, what would you lean toward as we kind of make our last pick of the night? Well, well. First off, going back to the uh, the the running back conversation, I mean, though, as much as I would like you know, like to take Goodson with this pick, also understand that by taking Ty Chandler, we already have maybe four running backs that are probably locked onto the roster, unless you're willing to give up Jonathan Ward or you know Benjamin or right you know, to cut, cut either to two and risk them being signing somewhere else. Um, but but for here, I I, I mean, for me, I I lean towards uh, taking. EJ Perry, I feel like the he does have some of that upside. I think uh, arm strength and athletic ability. I think he he has both of that. I know he isn't going to be a starter, a day one starter, because we already have Kyler Murray and we already have a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy. But I think uh, more competition, the merrier. EJ Perry uh, battling with uh, Tracy McSorley would would probably be an exciting battle to watch in the preseason, honestly. Um, but yeah, I think. Perry just has that athletic upside that I just I just can't ignore. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of the candidates that's there. He's also a little more explosive for quarterback. There's, you know, a 34-inch vertical for the most part that you have. He originally was recruited to Boston College and ended up, you know, that COVID was an issue. But when he came back for the Ivy League, he was an offensive player of the year for the Ivy League with each of those. You know, if you can get a long-term type of backup at least, there's – these guys, at least for the most part, usually wind up being back of the practice squad type things because when teams draft guys in the seventh round, you know, you have to kind of be a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of mold. If he can be that guy, I think that that would be one of the spots to take. If it was me picking in this actual spot, I would look at just taking um, the defensive lineman McKinley Williams. He's still a 300, a 285 pounder, could be a five tack for you. We've seen how, for the most part, he lines up in the A gaps a lot of times. So that would be one of those players that. You know, seventh round pick, he would be pushing your Richard Lawrence versus pushing your Lucky Foto because he's a lot lighter build. But I think we're going to go with what you had and go with EJ Perry just because, like we said, when you get some of that athletic upside, getting some of the players being able to replace a Chris Streveler, um, that would be one of the spots you could say. So let's take a look now. We've got our results of the draft. Was there any surprises you could see from the entire draft that popped up? Because to me, the biggest surprise, I feel like at least, was how we saw the receivers and the pass rushers went super quickly at the top for Arizona. And yeah. we saw at least that the Cardinals were able to trade back and get another pick. Um, we saw Traylon Burks and Zion Johnson were both there. I think that's pretty much, if Burks is going to go before the Cardinals, I think it'd be at pick 22. Um, that seems to make a lot of sense to kind of find that next Randall Cobb. Here's our full results, though. We have we've traded yeah. back a few picks. Got Arnold Ebicady, round one. There's an edge rusher who can be rotational slash start in year one. You've got Jalen Tolbert, your future kind of wide receiver, too. Maybe he sits behind A.J. Green, could end up being that other outside player who's got slot flexibility as well. 
We've got Zach Tom, who the PFF grader hated, but you and I absolutely love this pick, I think, in the third round being available. You get Jeremy Ruckert at tight end. I could see those picks being flipped if they wanted a tight end. We went, I think, a lot more offensive heavy in this draft. We didn't even take a defensive lineman uh, in this entire draft for the most part. We took, obviously, the punter, Matt Ariza, and a quarterback in yeah. the last pick, A.J. Perry. I think I like the Devin Tompkins pick where we found him in round seven for value. And I think James M. Pay, round seven, I think is also another super valuable pick. So what I'm taking away from some of this draft here is it would not behoove the Cardinals, I think, to trade up a few spots to get one of those top talents in the first round. When we saw them trade back, there's I think you can say I'm happy with how this draft turned out, but it does feel like in one case there's not really that home run or that, oh, this is fantastic type of pick that I think that – You've seen for the most part, and that's how the PFF grades, for one reason or another, have played it as well. It's like it's a solid but not necessarily star draft, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think, the, I mean, the Cardinals got a lot of really solid late-round value in the draft, especially in guys like Ty, Ty Chandler or Matt Ariza. Um, but, but but you're right, though. I mean, there aren't, uh, from the players that we selected, there aren't, there aren't many that are like, wow, like it was like, it was like, it's a great pick here, but... But I think uh, with the results of the, of, of the draft overall, but we, I think, I think you and I can both agree that uh, the receivers will probably go pretty early in the draft, especially the top tier ones. Um, so, so if the Cardinals were or are, do want to acquire a, a top receiver in this draft, they're more than likely going to have to trade up for one because the Packers, the Packers are going to take a receiver. I think, I think that there's there's no escaping that. So, and the Chiefs. So, Chiefs have two first-round picks. This year. We traded back with one of them in this mock yes. situation. They yeah. could use both those picks to package and trade up for whatever they want or take one of those guys and trade up with one of those other picks. So it feels like in a lot of ways I almost have to wonder, would you reach a little bit maybe on we can see there is a huge line in this mock situation. Jahan Dotson went at pick 38, Sky Moore at 40. You're also seeing how um, they all, we saw George Pickens come off the board at pick 49. Christian Watson, uh, probably the closest thing this draft has to like a Captain America type who maybe a bit raw at the smaller school. We got Jalen Tolbert fell to the board. If the Cardinals trade back a few spots, are able to kind of pick up an edge rusher like we did and then trade up for one of those receivers with one of those picks that they got, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, it feels yeah. like that would be maybe optimal if we would have traded to jump up a few spots to get the likes of a Christian Watson, who is the second of Green Bay's receivers. Gosh, yeah. they need receivers now. I think that wouldn't have been a bad situation if you can have that extra pick. For the most part, the question is, would you take the likes of a George Pickens or a Jahan Dotson, maybe even talking about a Skymore, would you take them straight at pick 29 over one of the edge rushers and hope that you know you can get the likes of a uh, of a, of a Katie, of a Logan, a Hall, one of those guys falling to you? Because we didn't have anyone fall to us in this situation of those type of tier two talents. And that's probably the most interesting thing to me is, you probably can find a wide receiver, too, with some of the depth by pick 55. If you're waiting for them to pick that edge rusher, I think that you're right. If you're going to have to trade up for one of those picks, either trade up from your first pick or trade up from your second pick, you might not have to for a receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really, really like the uh, Arnold Ebicati uh, pick, uh, pick number 29. I think uh, I think he, he uh, his athleticism and his overall production at the college level is – is very 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 good i think i think he he should project to do very well at the nfl level i think i honestly think that he might be the past best pass rusher in this nfl draft um believe it or not and 
And the thing is, like, and I know you uh, you asked uh, whether or not I would reach for a George Pickens maybe in the in the first round and with pick number twenty nine, and I I actually kind of would. Um, he he's another one of those intriguing players with with length and and speed, and I think he he ran a four point four three while still being less than hundred percent, which goes to show, yeah. like, how how I guess athletic of a player he really is and i know he though he dealt with uh, quite a quite a few number of injuries at at, at the college level but but he kept recovered at least right it. so he at least right, came back right. to that so right. uh, i agree with you i'd be content with taking pickens um i don't know if you could say at 23 depending like we even saw on our board like who's going to take george pickens over a trail on burks given that you probably at least even though pickens may be the better fit for what they need I'm okay with projecting Burks, at least with the upside and hoping that the outside is there. It's just, it feels like in that regard, if you're able to trade back and grab a Pickens there, um, that would be totally fine to me. I don't think you can pass on a Zion Johnson in that scenario. There's enough talent there that I would be content saying, I don't know if you necessarily have to take Pickens that early at 23. I think you can move back and get another spot. Um, I think there's just enough talent that's going to be still there on the board that we've seen to be able to justify for some of that. Watson's interesting because I feel like the athleticism bumped him up from what was probably a late two-round grade. Some people say and think he'll go first round. I think that there's just way too many evidences we've seen of, you know, if he hits fine at that rate, then he becomes Dez. If he doesn't hit, then you're talking about, like, one of the bigger draft busts in NFL history with Scott, uh, what was it, um, it was out of Georgia Tech, Stephen Hill, was taken by the Jets second round. Um, there's just been, I think, a little bit where it's riskier for the most part. He could end up turning into that spot where you're like, oh, wow, you've got Watson and athleticism to go deep and make these great catches on one side, Hopkins on the other, and Rondale Moore, you know, the who's stopping this offense type of a tweet. Um, I think when looking back at this area of the draft for the most part, I think we can say we did a good job. But like you said, I think the Cardinals are going to have to make some sort of a move either in round one or round two. If they don't and they continually trade back, then your hope is that they would come away with a mock similar to this. Any other last thoughts that you would have at least on the draft or some of the situations or even if you want to plug some of your work? I know you've been cranking out a mock draft a week, it seems like. It's been some awesome (laughs) content to be able to have not just in Revenge of the Birds, but for some great Twitter dialogue as well. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what else the Cardinals plan to do prior to the NFL draft, considering there's still a lot of uh, a lot of quality talent available in, in free agency, in the form of Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman for the yeah. for the defensive line, and even edge rusher with uh, Clowney and and Ingram, like you mentioned early on, um, um, in, in this in this call, and so if the Cardinals are able to fill that need for the wide receiver position with maybe the likes of Julio Jones. And, and the and the defensive line with a guy like Hicks or or, or edge rusher with the with a player like Clowney, yeah. th- then th- then everything is on the table w- once once draft day arrives. So yep. so ideally, yeah, I mean ideally you you'd like to you know take the best player available and not draft for need, but if you're able to be in a position where you take the best player available that also is a need, like it works hand in hand. So so like I said, I, I'm hoping the Cardinals do sign um, or some of those uh, big names available prior to the draft. But I also understand that Steve Kine probably values his 2023 compensatory picks a lot, which which might be playing into the uh, playing into playing into this uh, this off season where Steve Kime isn't really doing too much aside from signing uh, uh, four bargain players um, during this uh, free agency. So so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do um, prior to the draft and. And hopefully 
the Cardinals end up getting getting players that uh, in the draft that that can really be a impactful day one. So. Yeah, I, they'll have some comp. They, I don't know if they'll have competition, but they should have competition. Like I feel like the Bears are one of those teams that like should like say, hey, if Arizona's going to offer you the minimum, we'll do just a little bit more. He's going to be cheaper than I think a lot of other players now. We'll also, I think, get a good feeling for the Cardinals because Steve Keim lost out on a fourth-round draft pick last year because A.J. Green hit his incentives in his contract. You got Christian Kirk, who probably everyone expected a fourth or a fifth-round comp pick, blew everyone away with making you know, $39, 38000000 million guaranteed over two years yeah. and a $21 million a year contract. That gave the Cardinals a third-round compensatory pick for next year. Those don't really get kind of finalized until June 1st. Now, what's interesting also is once you hit June, that's when we'll probably see some $10 million or so come off of the cap for um, Arizona where they could potentially go. Let's say that the Cardinals go and grab a wide receiver round one, and then round two they end up going out and you know surprise people for the most part by adding a defensive lineman. It's like, what are you doing here? Why would you go and not address edge rusher? And then suddenly June 1st hits and Jadavion Clowney walks into the Cardinals. You're like, oh, they may have maybe figured out some of this ahead of time. He and Odell Beckham Jr. are probably the only two players, I think, who may be content to wait. OBJ may have no other choice in part because he may choose between, you know, whatever the Rams offer versus the field. And he's not going to really be healthy up until November hits anyhow with his injury. Clowney waited until, like, I think it was May last year post-draft when the Browns were needing another uh, pass rusher. They added him. Those are the spots where I think we'll get a good sense for the Cardinals as far as for what they can spend and how much they can attribute. If they don't make a move, um, then maybe you're looking at more of a real cash area versus, you know, some of the cap, just trying to get everything ready for what's either going to be a hard reset or going to be a Kyler Murray big-time extension that could be coming, if not this year, possibly next year for the most part. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason, I think, for each of these things. Uh, we can go ahead and probably wrap it up there for the most part. Andy, if you can go ahead and pitch your uh, Twitter account uh, where people can find you as well. Sure. Uh, well, my Twitter account is a uh, aquong31. So uh, feel free to check out check out my uh, my Twitter page and uh, follow me if you like to. And yeah, well, that's definitely be follow. K W O N G. That's a, that's K- the way you're going to be spelling it, obviously. K W O N G. Yeah, but make sure to also follow uh, Revenge of the Birds on Twitter as well, and uh, and Blake Murphy. And please please make sure to do that. And yeah, I think the Cardinals are in for one very. Uh, very exciting uh, 2022 draft with with a lot of talent available, and I'm very much looking forward to what the Cardinals plan to do once draft day arrives. Absolutely, aren't we all? Thanks again for joining the ROTB pod. Hoping to have Kent back next week. Uh, we're going to be looking at doing kind of some similar seven-round mock drafts with the Cardinals, at least, for those ones trying to talk a little bit about that. Um, I know pre-draft, we almost always will try to do our first round kind of official draft. We'll see when that comes, if that's next week or the week after. That's all content you can look forward to as we get near to draft season. Uh, thanks for so much for supporting the podcast. For those listening, you can find us on Google Play Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, places like Apple Podcasts, as always. Um, you can also at least follow our Twitter account at ROTBpod. Uh, it's going to be where you can find all of our previous shows. For the most part, you can follow me as well at BlakeMurphy7 on Twitter. Thanks again for joining, and go Cardinals.